my name is Lauren Frieder, and my husband Drew and I are lead pastors at Lift Church. We are on the eastern shore of Maryland. We want to thank you so much for joining us today, and we are believing that you will get a lift of encouragement. Let's jump into the message. Um, how many of y'all are ready to receive the Word of God? Anybody ready to receive the Word of God? Because I believe this, that the level of expectation you come is the amount of revelation that God brings to your life. And so I want to invite you to scoot through the table to the, to, to just to the edge of your seat. Um, like proverbially, don't do that because they're very comfortable. I know. Just stay where you are. Um, but listen, I want to start with a question. How many of y'all have ever um, experienced something that's terrifying? You've been afraid of something. You've been fearful of something. Listen, we participate. You can throw your hand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, you've been a part of something that was, that was terrifying. And uh, I, I remember growing up. Um, I was, I was terrified of the dark. I was terrified of the dark. And um, I believe the reason that I was terrified of the dark, I can trace it back to really one thing. And if you're in, in this room and, or watching online and you're between like age 30 and maybe 40, um, th there was something that marked us that, that really probably is the reason that made us afraid of the dark. How, how many of y'all remember the show Unsolved Mysteries? Like, I look back at it now, and I'm like, why in the world did my parents allow me to watch? I was, like, below 10 at this time. Allow me to watch the show Unsolved Mysteries. It was terrifying. If you're not between your 30s and 40s, if you're younger than that, Unsolved Mysteries was literally a show that was all about unsolved mysteries. Crazy, I know. But, but, but I'll never forget that this guy had the, the craziest voice and he was the, the host of the, I think it was like Robert Shatner or something like that. I don't know what his name was, but the guy was like scary in and of himself. And, and I, I, I remember I was watching that, and, and uh, they, they would come on to, to the, the show, and, and they would give the, 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 the story of this person that did something crazy awful. It was terrible. It really was terrible. And then they would come on, and this was the part that really freaked me out. They'd be like, update, update. This person was last seen in the High Point, North Carolina region. And that was where I grew up. And so I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, yo, I'm 10 years old. I'm freaking, this is where I go out. I'm freaking out. Like, I'm like, I'm dying. Today, tonight, this is where it goes out. And my parents, they would go off to sleep and I would be left to be the last one downstairs. And how many of you know when you flip the, the, the lights off, come on, things get real. And I don't know how many steps I would hit on the way upstairs, but I didn't hit many. And more times than I cared to admit, I fell on my face. I remember being in the dark when I, in the church that I grew up in. And um, I grew up in the church that had like the steeple with the pews. Come on, somebody. They had the sanctuary. Y'all remember that? Yeah. And then when you walk in there with the lights off, like I don't know why, but it was like Jesus wasn't there when the lights were off. Come on, somebody. I was I was scared. I was scared. And I would find myself, I was the last one in the, in the, in the sanctuary. This time, I'm running. I'm, sp I'm getting out of there because I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. And I would love to tell you that things change. But, but I remember when I was a kid, right after Unsolved Mysteries, I would, I would get to my room and, and I would have the, the sheets folded already um, kind of open, right? And then I would, I, would, I would hit the light switch and I would take one giant leap for mankind. And I would jump into my bed, and I would pull the sheets over me. Come on, as I went, it was like the long jump in the Olympic shawl. Because I knew that if, if I didn't, if I didn't jump far enough away, that the arm was going to come out and pull me under the bed. Come on, listen, it, it doesn't have to be realistic for you to be fearful. It doesn't even have to be realistic. It doesn't even have to make sense for you to be fearful. And I was thinking about this, and, and I was thinking about the message that I wanted to bring to you today. And uh, I, I know you laugh at me, but um, 
You know, I was today years old when I got over being scared of the dark. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm still afraid of the dark. But, but we, we laugh when we talk about things that, the fear that I have when it comes to the darkness. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that every single one of us in this room and watching online, that every single one of us have fears. Every single one of us, like you laugh at mine, and I know like you, you may laugh at mine, you laugh at mine because you relate to mine, right? You, you're the last one. I'm still that way. Like I'll lock up my, my house at night, I turn the alarm on, and I'm like, did you hear that? My wife's like, you hear what? Like my wife weighs like 110 pounds, and I'm afraid of something. You know what I'm saying? Like she's like, she's like what are you afraid of? The alarm's on. I'm like, did you hear that? Right? And it doesn't even have to be rational. For, for some of us in the room, like our fear, like it's the number that's in our checking account when we open up our app. Right? Because we, we feel like perpetually we have more month than we have money. Like for some of us, we're so worried about missing out on God's plans for our life. Maybe for some of us, it's COVID. Maybe we're just not sure what we're afraid of to begin with. We are just afraid. And here's what I know about fear is that fear is a giant. And fear does not take a day off. Fear doesn't even know what it means to take a day off. And I believe that today, as we talk about this topic of fear, I believe that this is more relevant today than it's ever been in our lives. I'm 35 years old, and, um, and I can never think of a time where fear has been pushed on us or pumped to us more than it is in 2021 can we agree like, like you flip on any news outlet and it doesn't matter which news outlet that you watch if you're like oh I, I watched the right one like which one's the right one I'm not sure what the right one is so it doesn't matter if you watch CNN or Fox News or or you know the one that you consider moderate how many there, there is no moderate news outlet like they, they've all got but but you watch these things and it's like it's like they are pumping fear and hysteria and hysteria and fear and fear and hysteria how many of y'all have felt that when you you just get a little bit more fearful you feel your chest tighten up when you open up the news out this is something that they've been pumping to us and i'm listen I, i'm i'm just be honest with you i'm terrified with how christians have responded to the last 18 months I, i'm I hate to say the word disappointed because, like, I, I, listen, when my dad used to tell me, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. I'm like, Dad, I just want you to be mad. <laughs> I don't want you to be disappointed. I'd just rather you be mad. Like, but but I'm, I'm really I'm perplexed by the way that the church has handled the last 18 months. And, and I believe that a lot of it is based around fear. And, and fear is a giant in our lives. And the cool thing about the Bible is, um, is quite often that the Bible intersects, not quite often, but it intersects in every single area of our lives. And if you hang around me long enough, you will hear me say this. I love the word of God. I am in love with the word of God. And can I tell you this? As a culture, we will not know which way is up, down, left, or right unless we are immersed in the word of God. Can we be people of the word of God? Lift church, can we be people of the word of God? I believe that the word of God will mark you. And as I read the word of God, I see that there's a real life giant that's talked about in 1 Samuel chapter 17. If, I know some of you are familiar with the story of David and Goliath, but today I want to encourage you to lean into this story because I believe God's going to give you some fresh perspective as we walk through this. So if you got your Bible, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to give you a little bit of a context. You see, there's, there's a battle going on and it's between God's people 
and uh, between the Philistines, between the people of God known as the Israelites and the Philistines. And we see this story, maybe you've heard it before, of David and Goliath, but David is on God's side. David is on the, the, the people of Israel's side, and we see that Goliath is on the Philistine side. And So we pick up in the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to have to move through this because i got, I got a lot to tell you in a little bit of time. Um, but come on, somebody, I'm going to be leaving after this week, so I'm going to finish this message. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Come on, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 3. I'm going to be respectful to the time, Pastor Drew, but I'm going to preach today. Verse 3, it says, And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion. I want you to remember that word, a champion named Goliath of Gath whose height was six cubits and a span, which would have been about nine foot tall. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, which would have been about 125 pounds. He had a bronze arm on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, which would have been about 15 pounds. And his shield bearer went before him. You see, I want to go back to that word champion because I want you to notice that. Any UFC fans out there, any UFC, you like watching UFC? I love watching UFC. I won't belabor the point because there's like two of you, you know, but the UFC, I, I love UFC. And, and when I think about the champion, I think about the guy that walks into the guy or the person who walks into the ring and they are like 10 and 0. They are undefeated and like eight of the first of their first 10 wins have come by way of knockout. You see, this is the, the, the verbiage that's being used here, but by the nature of Goliath still being alive, he is a champion and he is undefeated. Like Goliath has a record. You see, see the giant that David would soon face, he, he had a history, and that's significant because a lot of us have history with our giants. It's not like you just woke up this morning and all of a sudden this giant started chattering in your ear. It's not like you just kind of rolled out of bed and you started driving to lift church and you're like, oh, oh, I didn't even see that coming. No, most of us, like we are well acquainted with our giants. Like, like most of us, we are well acquainted with the things that we wish we could get rid of. And so today what I want to do is to equip you to slay the giant of fear in your life. Listen, I'm not just the pastor that comes up here. I don't ever want to be the one that just like gets you rah-rah, you walk out of here, and you don't know. You're like, well, I feel encouraged, but I don't know what to do. Like, I want to encourage you, but I also want you to know what to do. Anybody, anybody ready to just be equipped to slay the giant of fear in your life? We're going to go there today. And so the first thing you got to do with any giant, and let me just kind of give you the secret. This is like, this is free today. All of it's free. But anyway, this, this part's really free. But the first thing you got to do with any giant is you got to name it. You got to look at it and you got to name it. And for some of you, that giant in your life is anger. You need to look at it and you need to name it. You need to say, that's my giant. For some of you, it's self-confidence and you need to look at that thing and you need to name it. For others of you, it's anxiety. You need to look at it and you need to name it. For some of you, like we're going to talk about today, it's fear and you need to look at it. And you need to name it. You see, because it's not just enough for us to move past, because as followers of Jesus, come on, Jesus went to the cross, but he didn't just go to the cross as we sung about already. Come on, he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Come on, somebody. He not only died for your sins, but he rose on the third day to show you that you could have victory over every single area of your life. Come on, this is the greatest news that I could bring you today. And so I want to equip you, come on, to battle this fear. First Samuel chapter 17, check out verse number 24. This is a little bit later. It says this. 
It says, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were much afraid. Ruth Rindler says this, fear has a large shadow, but he himself is small. I want to remind all of us before we jump headlong all into the content of the equipping piece of this, I want to I remind you of three things. I want to remind you of the first thing, that fear is often a mirage. Fear is often a mirage. Like the oasis in the desert, fear is often a mirage. For some of us, we need to know this, that fear is a magnifier. Like it blows things out of proportion. You see, here's what I've noticed about this magnifying piece is that the moment I invite somebody else into my fear and I share that with them, come on, it's not, no longer as large as I really thought it was. So it's a mirage, it's a magnifier, but the third thing that you need to know is that fear is a mirror, so it often reflects what's going on inside of us, but ultimately what you have to know is this, is that fear is a liar. Come on, write it on your mirror, write it on your, in your car, write it on your forehead, I don't care where you write it, fear is a liar. And so today I want to jump into this, and I want to talk about three roots that fear stems from, and we find David facing all of them. And before I skip over this and act like everybody knows this, let me just remind you the story of what happens a chapter before chapter 17. We see the prophet Samuel. He shows up at Jesse's house, who is David's father. And Samuel says, hey, the next king is actually in your home. And so what happens is Jesse calls all of his sons in. He lines them up, and the, the prophet Samuel's like, no, 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 no. All of his sons, this, these aren't the ones. Is there any other sons that you have? He says, yes, there's one out into the, in the field. He says, well, I want you to call him into the house so that I can see if he's the one. How many of you know sometimes when you receive your calling, you might be out in the field. You may not be like everybody else, but God still has a calling on your life. And so he says, hey, I want you to bring him in. He says, yes, this is the one. And so he anoints him king. And we see that a chapter later, his brothers go off to war. And we see that David, it goes back out to the pasture. That sometimes before, between your anointing and your appointing, God sends you out to the pasture to work through some things. There's often a distance of time before you feel called and before you feel inserted in, into the actual calling that you feel like you have received. And so we see that David has not gone to battle, but he's given an assignment to take rations to his brother. First Samuel chapter 17, again, verse 24, he says this. He says, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? He says, surely he has come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Come on, he, he, he begins to talk trash. to Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, so shall it be done to the man who kills him. Da David essentially is saying, hey, what is stopping us from ending this right now? Like, what is keeping us from having enough boldness to, to walk in faith and to not let our fear dominate our lives? Verse 31, he says, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go. Lift Church, let me ask you today, who, who spoke that over your life? You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. 
Church, David wasn't chosen by Saul for this job. And sometimes this is where we see the first stem of fear pop up, is when we face circumstances. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down, circumstances. You see, the circumstances that you were raised in, or maybe the circumstances that surround you, David was told he was too young, and for some of the students, maybe you feel like you're just too young. Maybe for some of you college students, you feel like you're too young, or you're too experienced, or you're too this, or you're too that. Maybe you were raised in an environment of fear, where like this fear, this, all the, the, the hysteria that you were raised in, like the, the anxiety that you were raised in, you feel like, man, it's been projected onto you, and you carry all of those things. Some of you are like, Pastor Kenneth, like, hey, thanks for, I'm glad I came to church today for you to talk about how crazy my family is. Like, I kind of already knew that, but whatever. So, ch- church, what do you do? Like, let me ask you this question. Is it possible that you're paying attention to the wrong set of circumstances? Like, why is it in our life that we, what, what's the negative often sticks out more than the positive? I can go through my, my day and like 10 compliments are thrown my way. Hey, I like your shoes. Hey, I like this. I like that. I like, oh, man, when you did that, that was great. But then somebody says one thing. And why is it in a world, in an in a, in a ocean full of positivity, all it takes is one drip of negativity, and that's all I remember? Am I alone in this? Like, like some ladies, you get your hair cut, and like you get 100 compliments, like, oh, I love your hair, girl. I love your hair. Oh, my God, your hair. Oh. Like, people are freaking out. I love your hair. And then you get that one guy, girl, why'd you cut your hair? And all you hear when you lay down at night is, girl, why'd you cut your hair? Girl, why'd you cut your hair? Girl, why'd you cut your hair? Like, we laugh because if we don't laugh, we will cry. Well, we know this to be true. Like, we default to thinking about what's against us, but that's not what David did. David thought about the circumstances that helped him, not those that were against him. And maybe that's the mindset shift you need to take today in your life. Check out verse 34. It says, but David said to Saul, come on, I love David. He says, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. Saul, I just want you to realize, first of all, I'm king already. (laughs) He's already been anointed, but but David takes takes a very humble approach here. Anyways. I find the scripture funny. When I read, I, I read the whole thing and I'm like, David did great because he's way more sanctified than I was because I would have taken a different approach. I'd be like, Saul, get out of my face. <laughs> you ain't king no more. I am. Bye. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, that's not what happens. Regular scheduled programming. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. How many of y'all really believe that Saul was like, go and the Lord be with you? He was really like, good luck, you about to die. You see, well, what happened is Saul completely missed the point. Like, he, he knew that Goliath had been a man of war from his youth, but what he didn't realize is that David was a bad man in his youth. Like, David had all the equipping that he would ever need. He had already been after lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Like, David had already done all of these things. It wasn't Goliath. It wasn't a human, but he had a perfect record, too, because he was still alive. 
And so it was champion versus champion. Only one champion had the, had the, had the person of, of Jesus on his side. There was only one champion who, was, who had the, the power of the Holy Spirit fighting with him. Can I tell you today, you have the power of the Holy Spirit fighting your battles. That you are a champion, sir. That you are a champion, ma'am. And I don't know if you feel like it now and what circumstances you face, but you are a champion. Look at your neighbor and say you're a champion. You are a champion. Yeah, verse 33. And Saul said to David, you are not able you are not able, and, and today I want to I ask you a question. What are you listening to? Or better yet, can I ask you, who are you listening to? You see, because there's, there's some people that have probably spoken some things over your life that they had no business speaking over your life. Oh, but Pastor Kenneth, they were my, they were my mom, they were my dad. Listen, can I tell you, if you are a son or daughter of the king, listen, it may, you may allow some input from your mom or dad, but come on, they are nothing compared to the voice of your Savior. And what they spoke over you is not your destiny. What your Father in heaven spoke over you is your destiny. And somebody told you that you are not able to go, and can I tell you, that simply isn't true. Check out what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. He says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so here we go. We circle right back to the word of God. Like, you will only know the will of God inside the word of God. Let, let me just say that for a college student again, because you're wondering what the will of God is for your life. You will never find the will of God for your life outside of the word of God. Like, it will just be something you feel, a sensation you had, a, a, an, an inkling that you may have thought. But listen, when you, are, when you are grounded in the word of God, because Paul says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And for some of you, when you feel this fear beginning to, to envelop your life, can I just tell you this, that you need to go back to the word of God because the word allows you to hear that Jesus is enough and to see that Jesus is bigger and to see that there is no champion who can take you out. There is nothing, no mortal man can take from you what God has placed in you. It's just not possible. The first root is circumstances, the second one, and I got to speed up or we're going to be here all day. We're going to be here all day. And uh, that's not going to be good. Verse 38. And then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head, and he clothed, that clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Let me read that again. He tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. The second root of fear comes from choices. So the first one is circumstances. The second one. It's choices. If you're writing notes, I want you to take that now. Because listen, when you work against God's plan for your life, can I tell you, you like David, you try in vain. There's something, maybe there's something in your life that you're trying to force. Like you're trying to force that relationship to work, but it's in vain. You're trying to force that job to work, but it's in vain. And all because like David, you're trying to walk in something that wasn't yours. Church, can I just take a time out for a second and just like speak something into your life? Is that okay today if I just speak something into your life? Like, can we come to a place where we are content with what God has placed, the portion that he has placed in your life? 
Can we all come to a place where we're like, listen, I've come to a place like at 30, there's like a weird something that happened. Like when I, when I was a student pastor, then I hit 30, and I felt like I just became irrelevant. Anybody just feel like 30, you became irrelevant? Like you just like, oh, you're not cool. You're not nothing. Anyways, bye. Nobody, y'all, some of y'all, are like, you're like 50, and you're like, shut up, kid. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, but that's how I felt. That's really how I felt. And I came, I've come to a place at 35 where I'm so comfortable with the portion that God has given me. God, thank you so much for allowing me to pastor my church. And not just pastor my church, but pastor in the way, God, that you have called me to pastor. And so I might say some things that people don't like. There's plenty of other gospel preaching churches for them around. Come on, somebody. Like, God, I'm so thankful that you allow me to be Jace's dad. God, I'm so thankful. I, I, I don't want anybody else to raise him in the gospel. Come on, that's my responsibility. I'm so thankful that you allowed me to be Sherry's husband. I love my wife with all my heart. God, I'm so thankful with the portion that you have given me. And can I tell you, something will shift in your life if you come into a prayer time with God. And you say, God, I don't, I don't want what the person has. I don't want their car. I don't want their house. I don't necessarily want their business. God, I want the portion that you have for me. And that's all I want. That's the portion that I receive today. Church, can I tell you this? That doesn't mean you try less. That doesn't mean mean you don't work come on I'm one of the hardest workers that you will get around it just means you don't have to strive you have to work but you don't have to strive come on there's a difference and God would you allow me to be content with the portion that you have placed on my life and church this is exactly where David found himself because Saul tried to place his armor on him and David accepted it before he had tested it he said he tried in vain to go. Check out verse 39. Then David said to Saul, he had a moment of realization because he had enough self-awareness to understand. If you've never read anything on like emotional health, come on, emotionally healthy spirituality, emotionally healthy leader, Pete Scazzaro, one of the greatest books you'll ever read. David had enough self-awareness and emotional intelligence to know this. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off and then he took his staff in his hand. And chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. D David had enough awareness to know that what would and wouldn't work. Why did he know this? Because if you rewind back to Judges chapter 20 verse 16. It says among all these were 700 chosen men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. David was among these people. Like, could David really have killed a giant? No, no, this is why he had the confidence. David chose to stick with what he had tested in his life. Can I tell you today, choose what has been tested in your life. Don't choose someone else's portion. Choose the portion that God has placed on you and watch what happens. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, But test everything and hold fast what is good. Hold fast to your portion. Hold fast to what God has given you. So we see circumstances, we see choices, they both lead to fear, but the third route happens at the scene of the battle. Check out verse 41, follow along with me. It says, And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. I've never seen a picture painted of David and Goliath at the battlefield with the shield bearer out in front. You ever notice that? People need to get theologically correct in their drawings. Verse 42. I told you, I, when I, I insert myself in the story when I jump into the word of God. Verse 42, and when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. He laughed at him. He made fun of him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome, 
and appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, lowercase g gods, because the God of heaven was on David's side. The Philistine said to David, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. Good night, children. <laughs> we read these, read these stories at night for our kids. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistine this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And for all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Church, how many times do you find yourself trying to fight God's battles for him? You see, the last root of fear that I believe David could have run up against, and I believe David David settled this in his heart. The last one is this, is the fear or the stem of fear of control. Can you imagine having that kind of faith? Can you imagine running onto the battlefield, this, this champion of war? Could you imagine having that kind of faith? You see, David, David had a keen awareness. David knew that he wasn't in control. David knew that God was in control. But here's, here's where I struggle with this. Because maybe you're like me. Maybe you're like a high D personality. Maybe you're in the Enneagram. You're an Enneagram A. And there's some things that you want to just wrangle. Come on, anybody with me? Like, you, you, like you, you want God's plans to come through, but God's plans better come through in your time. They better fit in your calendar and just like you wanted it. Like, it's like Burger King God. Come on, somebody. Have it your way. Like, we have control issues. But you know what I've found in my life that I have control over? Nothing. Like, for me, control is nothing more than an illusion. This is why I freak out during tornado warnings. I'm like, oh, God, you see what I do for you, God. Don't take me out like this. Come on, somebody. You ever prayed that? God, I tied last week. Don't let me die like this. This is why I get so, when I'm flying and I get turbulence, I start, I start gripping the seat beside me. I start pulling the belt a little bit tighter. I'm like, God, don't let me go. This is why when me and Pastor Drew go anywhere, I'm driving and you're not, sir, because I just have control issues. Nothing to do with him, everything to do with me. You see, but when you value, and that's what people like me and you say, we value it, but we really idolize control. You see, fear just... It leaps to the front when things don't go exactly the way that we had planned. Can I tell you what that does for a guy like me in a year like 2020? Woo-wee. Verse 48 says, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. You see, the author wanted you to understand, Samuel wanted, to understand, wanted you to understand that he didn't, kill the, he didn't kill Goliath with somebody else's portion. Like he walked in God's promise with his portion. But then David ran and stood over the Philistine. He took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that, their champion was dead. 
they fled. Come on, the victory came not from a warrior with a battle plan, but a shepherd with a hope. A hope in who? A hope in someone that is far greater than he could have ever imagined. A hope in a God who is instilled in him. Listen, if he could conquer death, hell, and the grave, come on, he could conquer this giant. And that may have been foreshadowing in the Old Testament. Come on, but I believe he believed it as if it was already done. I was... um reading in this book it's called Goliath Must Fall by Louis Giglio and he he said this he said fear may seek to obscure your view of God and crush your confidence fear may get a grip on your throat and try to choke the very breath out of you fear may yell insults and try to convince you that you're not that you're going to live with this giant for the rest of your life but the giant is already dead Jesus paid much too high a price come on I'm so thankful that I don't struggle with the same things that I used to struggle with when I was a freshman in college I'm so thankful that I don't struggle with the things that I used to 10 years ago or even five years ago why because I've submitted them to Jesus and said Jesus would you sanctify me holy would you make me more like you And today church what I want you to hear me say is this is that you don't have to struggle with fear for forever come on Jesus paid a high price for that pastor Kenneth does that mean that I'll never struggle with that again no 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 it doesn't mean that you'll never struggle it just means that you are equipped to know now that Jesus is greater than any fear that you're facing and come on when those circumstances shift when those choices arise when that control the illusion of control takes place in your life and fear creeps up now you can say Jesus I'm giving it to you Jesus, you're greater than this giant. Jesus, I cannot do this by myself, and I don't even want to do this by myself. I don't know about you, but I don't want to take another step in my life if Jesus is not in front of me and I'm not following him. Come on, I don't want to know a single thing. I don't want to lead my son. I don't want to lead my wife, lead my church, or lead any of my friends. I don't want to say another word if it's not for Jesus out in front of me and me following behind him. Come on, I believe that there are faith-filled people in Lift Church today that are saying, listen, I don't want to do another thing unless Jesus is in front of me fighting the battles that belong to him. Come on, this battle belongs to Jesus, and the giant is already dead. He's already dead, and so today... Today, for distraction's sake, I want to ask you if you would bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. Listen, maybe today, um, as I was talking about circumstances or choices or control, there was a piece that you're listening to, you're like, man, the Holy Spirit is really illuminating this piece in my life. If that's you today, would you just throw up your hand like, like the Holy Spirit spoke to you through something today. There was like a, a, a phrase, a, a line, the scripture, the word of God, something. Yeah, yeah, so good. You can pull those down. So just for a moment, would you right here where we sit, God, would you just call out to God? Just a moment. Say, God, I'm, God I want you to fight my battles. I don't want circumstances to shape me. God, I want to I live in my portion. God, I know that I'm not in control. Jesus, today, I'm so thankful for lift. 
so thankful for Pastor Drew and Pastor Lauren, God, and what you're doing in Salisbury. Jesus, I pray that for every person who is here, every person who's watching online, God, that you would, God, you would give them the boldness to bring this fear in front of you. God, would they not carry it? Would they not hold it? Would they not walk another day? God, would they be confident that the giant is already dead? In Jesus' name. Before we go today, um, there was one last piece that I want to share with you. Last piece, promise. And before I read what I'm going to read. Um, I want to qualify this because I, I said this earlier, like I've been perplexed with how the church has handled the last 18 months. Listen, I'm not saying, hear me say this. I'm not saying that what has happened over the last 18 months is not real. I'm not saying it. So if you walk out today and you say that, you did not listen to anything that I said. And if you walk out today and say he doesn't understand, you missed the point as well. My my mother-in-law is in a long-term care facility. I've done funerals for people who have lost their lives to COVID. I, I know it's a real thing. But a couple weeks ago, I was, um, I was at a conference, and I was listening to Dr. John Maxwell. Many of you know that name, a leadership guy. And, and he read this quote. And it was a quote from C.S. Lewis, which maybe hopefully more people know about C.S. Lewis than know about Dr. John Maxwell, I, I would hope. But C.S. Lewis is... Um, one of the greatest writers of all time. And C.S. Lewis had a thought, and it was, uh, it was back in the, the, the age of the atomic bomb when people were losing their minds about the atomic age and the atomic bomb and what happens if this happens and all these things. And, and Dr. John Maxwell read this quote from C.S. Lewis, and I'm going to read it to you. And I want you to sub out atomic bomb for COVID-19. You, you just do that for yourself because, church, today what I, my prayer is that you leave with more faith than you do fear and I pray that this encourages you today. Let me read this. C.S. Lewis said, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I'm tempted to reply, why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year. Or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you were already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented, and quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one great, very, very great advantage over our ancestors and aesthetics, but we still have that. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. That if we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb when it comes find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. 
They may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. And so church today, listen, this is my, this is what I want to entreat you with today. It's come on, so whatever comes down the pike, come on, if there's another spike, if there's another rise, I'm not saying be dumb. I'm not being, being, saying be stupid. I'm not saying be insensitive. I'm saying as a church, could we choose faith over fear every single time? So I want to pray for you, and Pastor Drew is going to take the experience, but man, I am so grateful today. And if you hear anything else I have to say, come on, let faith rise up, church. Let faith rise up in this place. Let faith be the thing that leads us. Let faith be the thing that we follow after. Let faith in the giant of Jesus be the one that we chase after all of our days. Let me pray for you today. Jesus, thank you for lift. God, thank you so much for allowing me to be here today. And to be able to speak into this amazing church, God. I pray that you would have and you would hold. You would take every word, God. And that, God, you would plant the seeds of, of faith in our life, God. That fear would no longer have a stronghold on us. In the powerful name of Jesus today, I pray that it falls. In the powerful name of Jesus today, I pray that that giant dies. In the powerful name of Jesus right now, God, I pray that you would go and you would do some heart surgery, that you would do some heart work, that there's some people that have been harboring and believing that you're not capable of whatever it is that they're fearful of. And God, I pray that today they would be confident to know that you are greater, greater than anything that they are fearful of. And it's in Jesus' powerful name we pray all these things.